Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. First Peter chapter four verses twelve through fourteen and chapter five verses six through eleven. This is page nine hundred and eighty-six in your pew Bible. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice, in so far as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of holy, which is the spirit of God, is resting on you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To, be, to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Lindsay. Before I start, I would like to express my gratitude to the youth who have led us so well in worship this morning. I'm encouraged by their faithfulness to this church, as well as this church's faithfulness to them throughout the years. I've already seen the ways that God has been working in this church community, and I'm excited to continue in faithful fellowship with all of you going forward. For those of you who were here the last time I preached from this pulpit, you may or may not remember that I opened with an illustration about falling asleep at the beginning of a movie only to wake up hours later having no idea what's going on. <laughs> falling asleep, whether it's during a movie or any other time, is an experience that all of us can relate to. It's one of the most universal experiences human beings can share. Mattress companies like to emphasize the fact that the average person spends one-third of their life asleep on a mattress, or hopefully on a mattress, and so, therefore, should prioritize purchasing a quality bed. We spend one-third of our lives sleeping and resting up for the other two-thirds of our lives that make it mean something. But without sleeping, we wouldn't be able to do anything at all. I've started with this brief commercial for sleeping in order to offset any fears y'all might have about my sermon title, which is, stay awake, with an exclamation point. This may come across as a threatening demand to anyone here this morning who is starting to feel their eyelids droop a little. Rest assured, if you need to close your eyes for the next 20 minutes, do not let me get in your way. <laughs> that being said, as we find in our scripture passage from 1 Peter today that Lindsay read so well for us, I do want to emphasize the importance of staying awake and keeping alert to the world around us. Peter, the disciple of Jesus for whom this letter of the New Testament is named, 
certainly knows firsthand about the dangers of falling asleep. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, we find Jesus and the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane after they have shared in the Passover meal at the Last Supper. Jesus tells his disciples that they will all fall away from him that very night. To which Peter, true to form, argues back and says, even if I must die with you, I will never disown you. Then, when Jesus brings them into the garden, he takes Peter, James, and John along farther with him and tells them to sit and stay awake while he goes and prays. And after Jesus has been praying for a little while, he comes back only to find the men sound asleep on the ground. Jesus, seeing their slumber, startles them awake by saying, Asleep, Peter? Were you not able to stay awake for one hour? After going back to pray, he comes back a second time and finds them asleep once more. The scriptures say, For their eyes were heavy, and they did not know how to answer him. Once more, Jesus goes back to pray by himself, and when he returns for a third time, you guessed it, the men are once again asleep. After waking them up, he, sa- he asks, still sleeping? And says that this time has come, as Judas has come to betray him and turn him over to an angry mob. After an experience with Jesus the Christ waking him up three different times when he was supposed to be awake, I like to think that this story came across Peter's mind from time to time whenever he lay down to rest. How could it not? His Lord and teacher, the Son of Man, had asked him to stay alert and be with him in his moment of need. Jesus needed his friends by his side, and his friends could not stay awake for him. Looking back at today's passage from 1 Peter, Peter, with this experience forever imprinted in his mind, is calling for Jesus' followers everywhere to stay awake and keep alert. The story of the disciples falling asleep in the garden and by association this passage from 1 Peter, is one of the more personal moments of Scripture for me because of how well I can relate to this story. For those of you who don't know me well, I can fall asleep just about anywhere. My family, for example, would be the first to tell you that whenever I'm visiting home in North Carolina, I'm probably asleep on the couch. There's something about being home that makes me comfortable and lets my guard down that instantly makes my eyelids heavy. I'm sure many of us can relate to this feeling. After a weekend or a week on any youth trip, we probably look forward to crawling into our own familiar beds at the end of it. Maybe after a busy week at work, coming home on a Friday afternoon, ready to prop your feet up in your easy chair, puts you right to sleep. Sometimes, even after a vacation, you might need a day of recovery from all of the relaxing and recovering you did on vacation before walking back into the real world on the next day. We can all relate in one way or another to those disciples sitting there in the garden and feeling helpless against the oncoming rush of sleepiness. I can place myself right there with Peter, James, and John, desperately wanting to stay awake for Jesus, but finding keeping my eyes open an impossible task. So how do we stay awake for Jesus? A second cup of coffee? A triple shot of espresso? In reality, we know what we should be doing. No caffeine required. The Holy Spirit is urging us toward what is right and just and true. But at times, we can't shake off the sleepiness that seems to overpower our movements. We find it easier to curl up in a corner and shut out the world. Sometimes, we have to shut out the world for our own self-preservation. Even Jesus needed his alone time. But 
Jesus models also what it means to be part of a community that uplifts and upholds each other in times of need. How can we stay awake to the needs of our community and the justice that Jesus calls us toward? We don't want to miss the Holy Spirit's whisper that might be quietly moving us toward healing and empowering our brothers and sisters, as well as ourselves. In the text, and if your Bible is still open, you can follow along, the writer repeatedly refers to troubles and problems the recipients of this letter are experiencing. Chapter 4, verse 12 mentions a fiery ordeal. 13 speaks of sharing in Christ's suffering. And 14 references being reviled for the name of Christ. Chapter 5, verse 7 mentions anxiety. 8 uses a roaring lion as a metaphor for the evil of the world. And 9 refers to the worldwide suffering of God's people. Apparently, the feeling of the world being on fire with danger at every turn is not unique to this year, this decade, this century, or even this millennia. All around us today, bad things are happening. Sickness, children and loved ones being diagnosed with cancer, poverty, hunger, people sleeping on streets and under bridges, addiction, pollution, wildfires, war, injustice, oppression, racism, sexism, any of the isms, the list goes on and on, and it is overwhelming. At a certain point, we are at risk of falling asleep to the world around us. Each of us has our own limit for how much of this we can handle before we have to shut off everything and go into hibernation. The noise can reach a volume where our our ears just can't hear anymore. And it's not just these bad things that would cause us to fall asleep in the world either. It can also be things we don't even realize are bad that distract us from being quiet, still, and ready to hear the Lord calling us to faithful attention and action. Not that it's a contest, but I'm probably in the running for the busiest month award this May 2023. As you may know, I graduated from seminary last weekend, and I am getting married to my lovely fiance Milligan this upcoming weekend. We have been spending any extra free time moving into a new condo down the street so it's ready once we're back from our honeymoon. Don't get me wrong, all of these things are wonderful, beautiful things. But they have made paying attention to my outside world difficult. And even in a month without all of these life events, I'd be feeling the pressure not to fall behind in my own world. Each of our lives are full of tasks and duties that we keep up with in order to stay afloat. It can be easy with all of these things to slip into a sleep-like, sleepwalk-like trance with so much going on. Staying awake to the needs of others is difficult when we've put so much on our own windshields and dashboards that we can barely see to drive anymore. But how do we stay awake to the world and stand up for the people that Jesus stands up for without wearing ourselves out and crashing down to earth? Is wearing ourselves out part of the suffering with Christ part of today's text, or is there a balance? Our passage for today talks a lot about suffering. We know that the We know that staying awake in this struggle with evil is going to cause suffering. Look how Jesus ended up after his struggle with the oppressive systems of his time as he worked to assert the importance of the lives of the marginalized and to challenge the worldview that the suffering of many was necessary for the pleasure of a few. The world could not comprehend his brand of living, and so they made him suffer and die, thinking that would put a stop to it. We try to follow Jesus step by step, but the path gets difficult when we realize how high the stakes are. We don't want to get into trouble 
or hurt or left out. But how else can good overcome evil without a struggle? Is suffering a prerequisite for justice? First, I think it's important to consider our definition of suffering. Do we understand it to be severe physical, psychological, and or spiritual pain and anguish? Is it something we should tolerate or endure? Each of us have our own personal understandings and experiences with suffering that inform our interpretations of this scripture. Whatever our definition, we should recognize that suffering has the potential to both harm and transform. Systems of oppression that cause people to suffer must be confronted and ultimately destroyed entirely. This is following in the way of Jesus, and when we overlook this connection between Jesus' life and ministry and his death, we miss an opportunity to help create a more just and peaceful world. When justice is denied, we share in Christ's suffering. When righteousness, when righteousness is not realized, we share in Christ's suffering. When peaceful conditions are elusive, we share in Christ's suffering. First, Peter tells us not to act surprised when the ways of the world are not in harmony with the way of Jesus. When we follow Jesus, we're going to face challenges and obstacles just like he did. And yet, as First Peter reminds us, rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. There is hope amidst the despair. There is a light forever shining amidst the darkness. And after we have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace will restore, support, strengthen, and establish us. On the other side of suffering, restoration awaits. But how do we get to this other side of suffering? Surely it does not happen by ourselves. I find it meaningful that 1 Peter 5, 7, and 8 pairs these sentences side by side. Cast all your anxiety on God because God cares for you. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. This pairing recounts the memory of the night spent in the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus cast his anxieties and prayers to God while telling his friends to stay awake and keep watch. Jesus, the incarnate word of God, exemplifies that doing life together in community is an absolute necessity if we have any hope of bringing God's kingdom to earth. He spent his last days, up to his very last, in all his days, surrounded by trusted friends and companions, laughing together, struggling together, learning together, and living together. Even on that faithful night in the garden, Jesus asked his friends to be near him as he casted all his anxieties to our loving and caring God in prayer. Knowing that God cares for us on a personal level is an amazing truth to hold on to. Casting all our anxieties on God because of this truth is the more difficult part. We can't cast all our anxieties on God by ourselves. One step is meeting God with humility, knowing that we cannot make it in this life on our own. Another step is disciplining ourselves, as the scripture prescribes, through habits such as faithfully reading the Bible, praying, and practicing spiritual disciplines, we can become more prepared and vigilant in responding to the needs of others. Another way of disciplining ourselves happens when we join with like-minded people in order to better understand and grow in faith. Iron sharpens iron, after all. Growing more disciplined in faith with each other enables us to stand up against injustice, resist the prowling lines of evil, and stand with those who embody the least of these in our society. Alongside helping us become more disciplined, 
Joining and growing as a community who will share the load with us and walk the road of life together is another way of casting our anxieties on God. We should stand together with all who suffer and struggle together side by side. The last time I spoke, I told a story about my father, who was diagnosed with cancer last August, who received a quilt from a neighbor with notes and drawings from students at his school that he would bring with him to the hospital for chemotherapy and radiation appointments. I am grateful for the outpouring of support that my dad and my family have received from this congregation as this journey has unfolded. In April, my dad had major cancer-related surgery. My mother and sisters were back home and understandably anxious about this procedure. My family's home church, Mount Carmel Baptist Church in Chapel Hill, knew about this anxiety and made sure that somebody was checking in or sitting beside my mother and little sisters the entire time while my father was in his surgery. Through their support and encouragement, through simply their presence, they made the scary process of my father's long surgery more bearable. I'm grateful to report that my dad is now cancer-free and on the road to recovery. Another, another such community is this one, this church family of Second Ponce to Baptist Church. Earlier, I mentioned the faithfulness I've seen this church family show for our youth group in the short time that I've been here, as well as I'm sure throughout their entire lives of these youth, their siblings, and their families. When people say that it takes a village to raise a child, that is true. But the truth should extend past childhood. It takes a village to raise a teenager, a college student, a young adult, and on and on. The village gets to be there for the highs and lows of our entire lives. We recognize and celebrate one of these highs this morning as we honor our graduates who will be soon embarking on a new life adventure. Graduates, we are so proud of you and will continue to be here for you. We pray that wherever you go, you will find loving and caring communities to accompany you on life's journey. But never forget that this village, this church community that helped raise you, prepare you, and send you on will always be here for you when you return. Church, may we be that village that continues to be a home for our graduates, no matter where, how far away or where they go. When we bring our anxieties together and lift them up to God, something miraculous happens. The ministry of presence and companionship gives us strength to endure amidst struggling and suffering. Some of us today might be keenly aware of the feelings of desperation and exhaustion. Some of us may understand what it feels like to be overwhelmed by the world around us, desperate for a hand to pull us up out of our struggle. The beautiful thing about the church is that we are all in this together. From our youngest to our oldest and all in between, we together make up Christ's body. My challenge for each of us today is to take that next step in being a more involved part of this church community. This will in turn lead to becoming more active and alert members of this world community, both near and far. There are places and people in this world who we need to stay awake for. May we feel the presence of Christ restoring, supporting, strengthening, and establishing us as we share God's love with the world in need of hope and healing. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the blessing of this new day and new opportunity to see the world through your eyes of love. Restore in us a sense of care and compassion for all around us that none may be left behind or forgotten. Support us amidst our struggles and suffering that we will, be, that we will remember your holy presence within us. Strengthen in us to continue to faithfully care for your creation. 
establish this church community as one where all anxieties and troubles are cast upon you. Holy God, as you care for us and love so well. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.